Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to another episode of No Head, where we learn to navigate life together and live in the present moment. If you're tuning in for the first time, my name is Dorothy Oko, and when I'm not doing my day job in communications, I facilitate a course at Google called Search Inside Yourself. How are you doing, breathers? And Happy New Year! May this year be a great year for you in living in the present moment. My guest today is Selam Bekele Cairo, and we're going to talk a little bit about her as soon as we are done with our practice of fully arriving together. Salam, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. As we normally do, let's take a moment to breathe and fully arrive. You've been doing many things and I've been doing many things and just breathing in together. Okay. So I will lead us. We will breathe in through the nose, hold to a count of two and then breathe out slowly to a count of five. And we will do that three times. Okay. All right. Let's start. All right. So breathe in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. And now let your breathing just return to its normal rhythm. Not controlling anything. Just letting your breath lead you. Letting your breath guide you. Now bringing your, pres your presence back into this place. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. My guest today is Salam, and Salam was born in Addis, Ethiopia, and moved to Kenya, and is married to Cairo. So she's Salam Bekele Cairo, and they have two lovely daughters, Debbie, who's age ten, and Favor. Uh, Debbie, who's thirteen. Debbie will kill me yeah. if she hears this. And Favor, who is ten. I have known Salam for many years. And we first met, she told me, I have to say this, we first met when I was her lecturer in French at the university. Selam is quite a travel person. Her father worked for Ethiopian Airlines and they travel quite a bit. So she is really a citizen of the world, but came to Kenya and met the love of her life and decided to settle in. I also reconnected with Selam just at the start of COVID and I was intrigued by a project that she's leading. And it's really about doing your small bit where you are and how Selam has harnessed just her presence where she is to make a difference in the lives of so many people. And she's going to tell us a little bit about that as we go on. What has inspired me then as I've listened to Selam's story is the quote by Desmond Tutu. And he said, the late Desmond Tutu, do your little bit of good where you are. It's those little bits of good put together that overwhelm the world. And that's what Selam is doing. Little bits of good that are overwhelming and how the world needs that. 
Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me, oh. Professor. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited. But the first question I ask people is, how was COVID-19 for you? We are, this is our third year now. Yeah. But how was COVID-19 for you? And what are some of the lessons that you learned? Yeah. Well, first of all, I must say it was quite heartbreaking, you know. Um, you're confused, you're, you don't know what, what you're going to do, you don't know how long you're going to stay at home. Um, everything changed around me. All of a sudden, my kids are schooling at home, my husband is working from home, my house up, uh, is stuck somewhere, it, you know, she had gone away. Mm-hmm. So everything changed and I had to learn to survive and thrive at the same time. Mm-hmm. I had to be everything for everyone, be there for everyone. Um, when the internet is down, everyone is frustrated. Mom, my, my computer is not working. And then, mm. you know, everyone is there. And you had to juggle in between all that, be um, be the, you know, the person cooking the food. Mm. At the same time, um, you have to work because I, I help my husband with the business. Right. So there's a lot of going on. It was quite confusing. But uh, here we are. Uh, we have developed systems and survival tactics at home uh, that has helped us you know and um, being able to adapt and you know change the way we do things mm. around uh, our lives you know you, everything can't be the way it used to be you come right. to this realization that hey things have changed around here and you have to you know up your game here you know right. you can't just stay like that Right. So a lot of changes happened and, and you can see that even in the children, mm. in the family. So yeah, that's how it's been, a roller coaster. <laughs> but you have thrived. You said being able to adapt, um, surviving yeah. and thriving. Yeah. And you have thrived. I met you know your, fam- your whole family just as they dropped you here. Yeah. And clearly you have thrived. Um, what are some of the secrets of surviving in this tumultuous time? Okay, for 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 uh, for the children in, in terms of their education, one mm-hmm. of the things that um, if you noticed, most schools went online, and and they did too because they were going to uh, physical classes. I got to see what kind of education they're getting. That was right. like an eye opener for me. And then uh, we had to have timetables for everything, you know, mm. schedules. You know, this is the time we eat, this is the time we play, this is the time we, we work. You know, when you're at home, it, it tends to be the same from, from morning to evening. You're mm. stuck on the computer. There were days uh, we had to create time to dance with the girls because they were, they were on the computer throughout the day. You know, mm. we even spoke to the school and said, you know, you can't do that uh, online school the same way you used to do physical school. Because right. what happened was the timetables came out and they were the same. It's just that the timings changed, but mm-hmm. it was the same things. You know, you can't do online learning the same way you used to do physical learning just because mm-hmm. it's online, mm-hmm. just the word online, but everything is the same. You know, 45 minutes, you know, per session. Right. So we, we had to, you know, speak to the school, but I had to also create, be creative. What, what else can we do? I like the dance. So what sort of dances were you doing? Yeah, I was actually teaching my girls how to do the waltz. Oh! We, we got YouTube videos. I was like, these girls will grow up. And they will need to dance with somebody. Yes. And they have no clue. Where are they going to learn? There's no school system that teaches children how to dance, you know? 
So I, I was actually looking at the videos we did with them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, this is it, you know, let's have fun. In fact, one my, my oldest daughter, she was transitioning from year six to year seven. Mm-hmm. And we had to do a graduation party yes. online, an online graduation party. So mm-hmm. we did the decorations in the background. Uh, we had cake, we had a gown for her. And of course, all her classmates were you know, all on, on online. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, we're going to make it fun and, and right. have music. And, you know, everybody do their thing. You know, not everybody, you know, took that. But we did. And we say, we're going to make the best out of it. Mm. Because it's her graduation. It's a transition from, you know, pr- uh, primary school to, um, you know, junior high. Right. So we had fun. We have we have so much, uh, you know, um, me- memories that we created during that right. event. You know, it doesn't matter that, you know, COVID happened and, you know, life just stops and becomes boring or dull. Mm. We had birthday parties, you know, we call the cousins, everybody comes online mm. and we're Googling Google Meet and all that stuff and everybody has cake on their end and we go on with life. You have to, you have right. to make the best out of it. Right. And that's what we did. We had birthdays, we had graduation parties, we did everything. And you created memories. I really love that. The idea of creating memories for the children and for you so yes. when you look back even three years you're like oh this was really we had it was, it was lockdown yes. but it was we still had a, gr- a great time yeah 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 and it's so important that we give that to our children too yeah. that's all they'll remember it's the memories that we're able to give them yes so i, I like that did they understand what covid was all about they did mm. i mean they were you know most schools were educating the children about it mm. they were sad you know there were times they would feel sad and like you know how long is this thing going to be ask questions you know mm. is it about to end and you can't answer that as, as mm. a parent you know they keep asking you is this thing over can we go out <laughs> and play you know and you're like my goodness what 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 can i say and you know the next thing you hear is second wave third wave and you're like um, mom what are these wave things we're hearing is right. this ending you know so it it was it is difficult to explain to a child why they can't hug another person or or you know do the things that they used to do they go out to play you know they have to have their mask it's very hard to mm. comprehend for them but now you know with, with the years at the time they have understood they've actually lost some uh, parents their friends parents who wow. passed away and they found it hard of course mm. yeah you can imagine yeah talk to us about the shine from within this non-profit that you started just during the pandemic yes uh, what led to it, uh, how it came about, because I found it so empowering. Yeah. So, you know, 2020, all schools were closed down. So we had just bought school uniform, we had bought new shoes, we had everything. And and then, you know, lockdown happened. So, of course, when you're at home, you're wearing house shoes, you have no idea what's going on. So in February 20, is it January 2021, when they said now schools are opening. So we go back to this very nice brand new school shoes and nothing fits <laughs> try the uniform nothing fits i like oh my goodness obviously these kids have grown right but, you know you're with them all the time so you don't see how much they've grown and so we had to buy them new shoes new uniform mm-hmm. and i sat down and i counted those shoes and i was like oh my goodness what do I do with these shoes you know and then i remembered a story growing up as a child in ethiopia 
it was raining and my brother was going to a school we were in different schools uh, he had uh, an event in his school and it was raining it was uh, what we call the winter of africa raining mm-hmm. every day and the ground was soaking wet mm-hmm. muddy so he had this um like a fun activity day in school and we were invited and we had promised that we we're going to match you know those days if you match with your siblings it's mm-hmm. the best thing mm-hmm. so my dad had bought us these brand new shoes from the US that had lights you know this yes. light up yes so we had these track suits and lighting shoes sport shoes uh, there were sketches actually mm. having sketches those days was you know the, the thing you know right. so we had planned the three of us that we we're going to wear the same matching outfits shoes and go and have fun and then it rained it was muddy and the lady who was helping us you know the auntie then she said no you're not going to wear those shoes they're brand new i was so disappointed and she made me wear these shoes that were finished you know and the the my parents when when i was growing up my parents had separated mm. so obviously the authority in the house was the auntie so whatever she says you have to obey otherwise you get into trouble so it was it was such a very scarring thing for me as a child. Mm. You know the things we say to our children and yeah. the, the things people say to us when we're kids they stay with us. Right. So I remember that day, you know, being a child, you just move on with your life, yeah? So I put on those shoes that finished with holes at the bottom and I went to this event and my shoes kept getting stuck in the mud and i could hear people talking in the background and by the way i'm writing about this in in my book right yes you're going to tell yes. us about your so your book i could hear people isn't this the daughter of that guy they keep mentioning my dad's name and right. can't he buy her new shoes and like i'm just a kid i can't even explain anything you know many people um, don't lack because it's money or you know sometimes it could be an abuse back at home right or just being deprived of you know some certain things right so that day when you know flashback um when when i saw those shoes i said there's a student somewhere a parent somewhere wondering where am i going to get money to buy school shoes for my children mm-hmm. and so i collected those shoes and i said this have to be given out so that idea of you know children in Uh, public schools uh, schools that are needy you know right, just right. start in my heart right. the next day i see a paper the daily nation mm. an image of a photographer who had taken a picture of a kid with uh, you know was back to school mm. was f- front page right i don't know if you've seen it no. and this boy has um very finished kind of slippers mm. or you know this slip on shoes finished with a hole and he took the image of this boy through you know there's a way he took the picture the hole and the shoe and the boy you know mm. and i saw that see i said this is it this is what i'm going to do take mm. shoes to children in public schools so i saw the name of the school and i have a friend it was in uh, rongai and i called them i said do you know where this school is and right. the guy said yes i do so i told him go find out more about the school mm. how many students they are you know he he did the groundwork for me down there and so i began to ask friends hey guys do you have shoes in your house your children must have outgrown right and yeah you know many people said yeah i'll support i'll give you know so at that time i was thinking maybe i'll get like 30 40 shoes mm-hmm. and then my kids went and told their teachers 
hey, my mom is doing this. She wants to give shoes. Can you ask the students to give oh, shoes? I love, I love them. <laughs> I mean, everyone was giving. Kids mm. would come with shoes, put it in a box. We collected over 530 shoes. Wow. I had all those shoes in my living room. I was like, oh my goodness. And some of them were not even paired. So I had to find, clean them up. It was the best. And then you went to the school in... So I I went to the school in in Rongai. We actually reached to three schools Mm. because the shoes were different sizes. So we had baby kind of shoes for the kindergarten. Then we had the, you know... Um, mid-size ones and then the very large ones we took it to a high school mm. in Rongai and the teachers helped me pick out the needy students right we had a list and they all came I, I shared some of those pictures and in, in my Facebook book, page. right I remember and some of those kids were crying when they got those shoes you know because they, they didn't come with shoes to school and they, they had left nothing shoes yes some of them had very you know torn shoes and that smile that I saw, because every child we gave, we looked at them in the face. And, you know, mm. for me, I love God. And I kept telling them, God loves you. God thinks of you. Right. So that's what we did. And from that first visit that I did in the school, it made me see that even as one person, because I was like, maybe I'll take the 10 shoes my kids have. That was okay. Even mm. if I had those 10 shoes. It would have been okay. It would have been okay. And... It doesn't matter, you know. The other day, just in November, we, we went to a school in Thika. And we were going to give um, pencils, you know, school supplies, pencils, rubbers. Mm. Those small things that we, we think, you know, in our houses we have like 20. Those kids don't have anything. But tell, tell us, I remember how your daughters told you, but mom, we can't give pencils without sharpeners. Yes. And because you've involved them so much in what you're doing. Yeah. So that they're able to see we are privileged. But mom, this is how you make it good. And, uh, yeah. Just talk to us about how you've involved your children yeah. in what you're doing for humanity. Yeah, so um, after we did the shoe um, uh, giving, what we did was, uh, so that was in February. Uh, mid of the year in 2021, I think it was... Uh, may june i said you know what i need to do something else it's not just you know so when i was in usau i saw the need of children getting into trouble they would be you know spanked or or the teacher would you know rub the blackboard because they've not finished writing in good time and i asked what's going on you know and she's like can you see there's one pencil in a class of 60 students uh, maybe uh, five or six and this was a school in Nairobi. Yes. Damn. Yes. Right. This is in Nairobi. You're right. right. And I was so, you know, heartbroken. And I said, so these kids get into trouble for something they have nothing to control. You know, mm. they have no, um, they have no say. They mm. can't do anything about it. I, I, my, pa- my mom and dad have sent me to school. Go, you know, mm. with no pencil. Because what do you buy? Do you buy food or a pencil? Right. What do you do? You know, things are bad, you know. And so I remember going to a supermarket and buying pencils with my pocket money when I was in campus. And I couldn't afford to buy everyone. I couldn't. So um, Ken was my fiancé then, and Mm -hmm. I told him about it. So he came, and we cut the pencils into two. One Mm. pencil, we cut it into two so that it can be enough. We cut the rubbers into two. Of course, we couldn't cut the sharpeners, <laughs> but we, we, we tried, you know, mm. and, 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 and it made it. a difference. It made a difference. You should have seen the smile on their faces. Oh. And that's, you know, that reminded me that, hey, 
it's not just shoes these guys don't even have writing materials mm. so i thought about the pencil you know pencils are you know easy to get and again i don't have you know this huge fund account mm. that is going to enable me to be supplying stuff to schools so i thought maybe i'll just put some money aside and do this thing and i said you know what i should let other people be part of this mm. because anything that you do allow the people around you to benefit from it you know right, let's right. share in this right. you guys you know so i i just did a small poster and said back to school pencil donations and people gave 200 shillings because uh, at that time when i was buying it a pack of 12 pencils was going for like 90 bob there was mm-hmm. a sale and i said did you know that a pack of 12 pencils is just 90 bob you know you can buy a soda or something uh, And if you have a cafe latte that's yeah. like 300 bob exactly so, mm. exactly so guys gave in even 200 you mm. know and t- impacting 12 children so mm. you know just changing the lives of 12 children mm. with one pack i i received overwhelming you know uh, response from people friends right so this this now is for the school in thika mm. or this is for this is another school in mm. um Juja and guess how I I discover this school somebody comes to my home and I ask them so where do you guys live oh I live in Juja mm. so there's this couple that came to our house and mm. I told them on your way back find out if it's a there's a public school and tell me how many students they have and get me that contact and they did this school had 1230 students 1000 pencils okay <laughs> so somehow I did get those pencils. And then my kids go like, "Mom, you, you just can't give one pencil. You know, if you're a student, you need a pencil, you need a sharpener to sharpen the pencil, and you need a rubber. It doesn't make sense, you know, to give a pencil and like, yes, you guys, you're pushing it. You mm. know, like, have faith, mom, have faith." So, I went to the shop and bought, you know, a pack of rubbers and and pens, uh, sharpeners. just to start me off and I said mm. god you know what these kids have set me up mm. so you better make the 1000 uh, sharpeners yes. appear somewhere 1230 30, yes somehow god made a way and the most interesting thing is i i shared this poster on facebook on instagram on you know whatsapp status and people shared it that's the amazing thing mm. so the the people that gave towards this one what people i have never met i i got inbox hey i hear you're doing this can i be part of this wow and they would send money i would go to the shop buy the stuff and send them receipts just to be accountable to them and show them this is what you know your money has done and i also send them pictures of you know the schools that we have gone mm. to photos and all that so this kids you know inspired me with and that and you did it yes. so and did you go with them when you're giving um, when the, the one for the juja juja we didn't go with them we went to the one in thika mm. um the one for juja uh they were having these classes online that couldn't they couldn't miss mm. but this other one i took them mm. so when we went to the school in juja um public school you know everything was scary there you know mm. like you look at the is this school having you know teachers you know very few teachers you find the ki- kids are in school but there's no teacher mm. and you're like okay what's going on uh, i remember going t- there was a class that had um 
special needs school class mm. in, the, in the in the school and they were so you know you know children with special needs they're right. very special right they love on you they mm. hug you and it's covid eh? mm. when you walk in they want to hug you oh. and you're like oh my goodness god have mercy on me you know i don't i don't know what's going to what's going to happen they're all over you mm. happy to receive you and then when you give them these gifts they're like they don't know how to even express themselves. Oh, you know? yes, yes. Then we went to this um, class uh, called the early learning, um, very young children. And just when we walked in, just before we walked in, when, what the teacher had told them, there were certain students that had not um, brought in, you know, they have a list of things to bring. Yeah? Mm. So these students, ha- you know, I had planned to go, uh, a bit earlier but I kind of delayed because I got sick mm. and the day I walk into that classroom the teacher had just told them if you don't have a pencil if you don't have a rubber don't come to school wow. and then I walk in with a box of pencils because she has no idea there were visitors coming to the right. school so we were going class by class giving out these things and she's like yes karibu you know mm. so we, we walk in and we give them pencils wow and then the teacher says, remember what I told you? Don't worry about it. God has provided for you. Wow. You should have seen the smiles on their faces. Like, this lady just came from nowhere. Right. <laughs> so I, I always tell people this, that um, we're not forgotten, you know? even We're not forgotten. Yeah. That's powerful. We're yes. not, you know? Right. Even if when everything seems so dark mm. and lost mm. everything is you know i'm alone nobody thinks about right. me um but god thinks about us and sends a total stranger yeah. and that's what happened to these kids an angel will be will come your way yes yes and, and you know it, it's it's it sometimes we fight it you know we fight this thing like god uh, i can't do i can't change the whole world mm. you know that quote you read you right know, the little things that we do this is just a pencil, mm. you know, a rubber. Right. Um, some things you can forego, you know. You yeah. can decide, I'm not going to do my hair. Right. Put this money towards this, you yeah. know. But, you know, if if each and every one of us could sacrifice something, mm. could say, you know what, um, no coffee for me this week. Let me buy pencils. Mm. Or let me... Um, you know, the other day when we went to that school in Thika, mm. the teacher told us that um, the candidates the, the, in this school don't do so well because they don't have materials, the, the what do you call them, the mathematical so sets, sets, yeah, the, the geometric sets. sets. Mm. And we're like, what? Yeah, so some of these students go in for national exams With and they just look at those questions as the kids in the private schools have all these sophisticated mm. looking things and they do well. Yeah. No this wonder. Kid, these yes. kids, these kids have not even practiced how to draw mm. stuff with the compass and you know the protractors. They have no clue. Right. So when we talked about it with the teacher and she's like, "Are you able to bring our students some of these things?" I'm like, "Oh my wow. goodness, we'll see." You know. Mm. And we are we are in a business network um, group on WhatsApp, mm. and you know my husband kind of shared about it, and within two hours. We had donations to buy 48 mathematical wow. sets. And that was because we, we spoke. Mm. The problem is we are quiet about these things. Mm. We need to go out to those public schools and see what is going yeah. on. Like, 
everyone we have a responsibility right. when you drive through your you know neighborhood and mm. you see a public school, school. just go in but mm. they, they're very welcoming i like i like just, that challenge yeah just drive in and and just look at what is going on mm. and i the reason why we went to that school in Tika, we used to live there some time back mm. and we used to see these kids playing with you know that ball? I don't know what you call yeah, it. Yeah, we make it. Yes, yes, the homemade, the, the one with the and milk yes. thing. Yeah. And the well, those days they were the, plastic, they right? Were, so yeah. you put it in, yeah. right? We used to see these boys playing with that ball, and my husband used to say, "One day I'll buy balls for these guys." Mm. You know, and when I told him I'm going to that school, he's like, "I'm gonna take balls. I have the opportunity now." Wow. So we we partnered with uh, one of our customers who manufactures balls, and we bought we bought the balls from there. Let me tell you, when we went to that school and gave out those balls, the girls were the ones that were playing football. <laughs> right. Everybody was like, new, brand new balls, you know. Mm. So what is it that you have, you know? What, what is it that you have in your house? For me, I had shoes. Shoes, right. For, for my girls. And even that day when we went to that school, we found children without shoes. Mm. And my kids said, next week, we're going to come back. We still have some more shoes to give out. And we did. Wow. We went back a week mm. later to the same school because we saw girls without shoes. Mm. So are we going to keep on watching things happen in the world mm. and say the government, yeah, the system, right. you know? We need to... We can, do, yeah, something, we can do something one person at a time, you know? And I like what you're saying because Wangari Madai, professor, the late Professor Wangari Madai also said that when people are asking her, why are you only planting trees in, you know, where she came from in yeah. But she was like, I have to start somewhere. You also go back to your village and do that. And I think that that's the message that you're doing it. You, you did it in Rongai, Juja, Thika, but you're just one person. You know, the Cairo family is just one family. Yeah. But if we could do that in right every where right where we are yeah. if we could go to the public schools around us and in every area there's a public school and then just say this is what i'm going to do it doesn't have to be much yeah. we will make a difference and yeah. not rely on the government yeah. thank you one of the things though i must say selam is your openness and your transparency because i think that begets trust we've seen a lot on social about people asking for help and then turning to use the money because i feel like people are africans are generally we have this communal feeling we want to help yeah and we really do give and if i look at kenyans on twitter people do give when there's a need yeah but people have taken advantage of it because people are not transparent. Please share about how you've been transparent because I like the idea of what you're saying, even just taking receipts so people felt they could trust you. You are not taking the 200 bob and hiding it. How have you ensured you keep this transparency in your, you know, in your organization that keeps encouraging people to trust you with whatever money they're giving? Yeah, so... You know, the other day, and I'm, I'll share, I'll, I'll answer that question. Mm. A lady came from the UK, a Kenyan lady. I heard, um, I knew she was in the country visiting for the holidays, Christmas holidays. And I had told her where I live. Oh, you knew her? Oh, she, you, knew, you knew each other on I, Facebook? Yeah, I, we met on online in, in a, wow. a Zoom meeting. She heard about what I do, mm. but we've never met face to face. She's a Kenyan married to a British person and... 
So she told me, you know, I'm coming to de in December for Christmas, so I'd like to meet you. So I told her, hey, this is my address, you know, feel mm -hmm. free, drop by anytime. So I hear, you know, a ring on, on the door, ding, ding, you know, and I open the door and there she is, hi, you know. And she comes and uh, we have lunch together at home with her family. That's the same question her husband asked me, mm. you know, how, how, how do you do this thing? You know, how mm. do you make sure? Because they have in the past been um, supporting schools and, and, and charity project from the UK uh, back home, you know, right. especially where she comes from in, in her village. Yeah. And they actually even like put up a community library. And so I was helping her with that also, you know, giving her ideas mm. on how do you stay accountable because right. there are people who give, donate, and they want to know, has my gift reached the, the people? Right. You know? So what I, what I do is, um, first of all, you see, I don't know these people that are giving. Mm. The ones that I know, they know me already, mm. you know. They know how I, I do my stuff, uh, my integrity and everything. Mm. But the ones that I don't know, I need to be accountable and to And those them. are the, that's the majority, yes, actually. Yes, majority. Right. So what I do is, um, if, say, you send me $50 or something like that, I will go to the shop, buy the items, take a picture of the, the receipt, mm. okay, for that amount that you sent, and, and scan it and send it to you. Mm-hmm. Then, when we are giving out the pencils, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't go alone. Um, I have people that I have worked with, like, close for, hey guys, right. I, I would like you to go with me with one of them, you know. Yes. I invite you and, and you see for yourself mm -hmm. because it is important for people to feel, you know, am I giving, you know, my money to assisting. If possible, I tell people, like this lady who came from the UK, mm. she gives you the pencils. Mm. You know, here are the pencils. Uh, give them out, you know. Mm. What am I going to do with two thousand pencils in oh, my so, house? Some people sell them. Yeah, some people sell, sell them. them. It's true. It's true. Especially, oh well, they're from the UK. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but people, as you said, it's integrity and just yeah. being transparent. I think sometimes people just get tempted mm. and fall out. People start well. Yes. And yeah. then they get tempted. Yeah. How do you stay true to your... Yes, I've known you for many years. We were calculating how many yeah. I've known you for... Staying accountable. I have people that I stay accountable to. Number mm. one, my children. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I can, I, I can believe you. You, you can ask them. Mm. If I do it wrong, mm. they will tell the world. Mm -hmm. Mom gave out the pencils. Yes. Because I've taught them that. Yeah. That you don't take other people's things, you mm. know. So they're not my number one accountability partners. Mm. And then, you know, having people around you, mm. you know, uh, to tell them, look, this is what I have received. Mm. And this is what I want to give. Mm. Uh, and, and, and stay true to that, you, mm. know? you know. Have people around you that uh, will, will hold you accountable. Mm. You know, I have... Uh, friends from church, my pastors, mm. people who, you know, I look up to, who, who make me stay right. in the right lane and, right. and just, and even my husband, you know, mm. I tell him, look, this is what I'm planning to do. What do you think? And how do I, you know, so he, he's come up with this brilliant idea. Mm -hmm. uh, have you ever seen this um, nuts that you buy? Um, from farmers, it's, uh, they're organic and they have like a barcode mm -mm. thing so that no. you know exactly where your nuts came from. Okay. So that's accountability. Mm. In the future, I'd like to use technology, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to uh, 
um, show people, mm. hey, this is what your pencil, where your pencil was went. Yes. This is where your donation was yeah. used. Actually, one of the biggest uh, bookshops uh, here, mm. um, the owner gave us a donation. Mm. And the day those pencils came, we counted them mm. with my kids. Mm. And I said, you know what? Okay, they were not so many. They were mm. 350. And I was like, okay, which school has this number of kids, you know? And that school we went to in Thika had the exact amount. Wow. So immediately wow. We, we gave out those things. I sent pictures. I sent videos. I told the, the headmistress to say, you know, thank you. Thank to, you. To and, the... and there was a boy, you know, so that people get to get the message yeah. back yeah. that, hey, this pencil's reached. Even when we took the mathematical sets, mm. we, do, we, do, we did videos mm. for them to see. Yeah, and I think also, you know, you, you can do what you can, you know, in terms of Right. And the rest, yeah, yeah. So. And and how do, if if people are watching and listening, yeah. and they want to be part of Shine From Within, how can they reach reach out? How can they be part of it? They're like, I don't have time to do this, but I want to send this donation to Shine From Within. Can yeah. you share the details? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you can follow us on, on Facebook. Okay. The Shine, it's the... The, the shine, shine from, from within. within. Yes. Right. Um, if you send send me a message there on Instagram, you're not the shine from within. Isn't on Instagram, there? I'm Salam Cairo. Okay. Yeah. yeah but I'll, right. I'll link it here. Okay, and I'll add the links to yes. to the deck. Yes. Yeah. All right. Which brings me to the other question. I know you're writing your autobiography. I, you know, the teacher in me. I am such a fan of us telling our stories. Yeah. We need to record that. A lot of us are, people are dying and we don't have that history. And so yeah. I am really thrilled for two reasons. One is the title of, it's called Standing Still. Yes. It almost feels like part of No Head Podcast, Standing Still. Okay. But tell us more about um, your autobiography, what motivated you, what it is about, what we can expect. And then once it's ready, you're going to come back and tell us about it. Definitely. Um, so I turned 40. I wouldn't say when. <laughs> oh, wow. And I'm only 35. How I is know. that possible? I don't know. How? I'm very proud about it. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and then COVID happened. And I was like, uh, my kids really inspire me. Um, sometimes, you know, when we sit down to read books and all this, they say, mom, mom, leave the books. Tell us your stories, you know. Uh -huh. So I keep telling them these stories. And then I realize, my goodness, there's so much to say um, that other people can, you know, learn yeah, from right. and be inspired. Um, so when COVID happened, um, it really, you know, brought that out, you know, because we had time. Mm -hmm. We were conversing and talking with the girls. And I was like, there's so much to tell the world. I shouldn't hold back. I should have it written down somewhere. Absolutely. Know? So um, I started writing a few things, you know. You know how it is when you're writing books. You just write a bit here, a bit there. And then I met friends um, that have written books. And I started asking them, okay, how do you do this thing, you know. And so every day I've been writing a few things here and there. And, and all these things are from, um, the stories that I'm writing are from, things that I've gone through. Mm. If it is um, my health, I'll, I'll give that example here. Mm. Just a snippet. Right. Um, I've, I think I can go to the pharmacy. I tell my husband, I've taken this, I've taken this, I've taken this. Mm -hmm. 
and growing up i've had so many you know health issues mm. that really put me down you know mm. and i said what else you know what else you know um there was a time i told god i can't go for surgery mm. not me Let, let's let's make this deal when when i was giving birth to my daughter mm. uh, my, first one? One, um, my first one my first daughter mm. um everything went well you know walked into the hospital everything went well i gave birth so fast my body goes into shock i see the baby they give me the baby and then i see white you know black i'm convulsing they said my eyes rolled and i'm just hearing people screaming in the background was ken there with you he was right there oh my god in fact you know when when you give birth they they take the baby and pay attention to the baby because they assume you're okay you know mm. so the nurses were busy with the baby, baby. Mm. and that's when they start having all those things and ken is the one that like turned me around because i could have choked wow so they come they're wondering what's going on I had serious complications. Mm. And um I could hear in the background. And complications after giving birth yes. is so I could hear the doctor say, "Let's take her to surgery right now." And I'm like, I think I woke up right there. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> so this guy is trying to figure out is she bleeding internally? Mm. What's going on, you know? Mm. So I'm, I I held the doctor's hand like this and I I could see him, you know. and he looked like my dad and i told mm. him you look like my dad you no know, you you're so dazed and then i told him i can't come this far and you tell me you're going for surgery we had a deal with god yes there was no knife that's going to cut you you know yeah. wow. and so this guy says okay give her a cup of tea maybe she's tired you know so they gave me tea, black tea I just wanna cry. with sugar oh my and so i drink this tea and you know life comes back and put me on oxygen so i lost a lot of blood in that process mm. so i think that's when i kind of blacked out and all i slept through the night with oxygen it was very nice i kept saying don't remove it <laughs> oh, are you on a high mm, oxygen high yeah so the next day you know i was better but it took me time to recover again you know mm. uh, even taking care of my baby was difficult even mm. when we got home it was so hard i couldn't even carry her did yeah. you find out what was the problem yeah so later on i found out that uh, you know that thing they say in the bible mm. the hebrew women give uh, birth very fast that thing is true oh <laughs> so by the oh. time i reached the hospital i was 10 centimeters dilated they told me don't don't push don't move because there were two other women that were giving birth you know i, I was hearing them screaming all mm. over and they had they told me to, to yeah, like pause. Saying, screaming all yes. over I, i even asked ken can i scream too <laughs> he's like no 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 don't scream so nothing i didn't go through labor pain like mm. everybody else wow. in fact on that day we were at sarid center we went walking there was an exhibition my friend was participating so i went to support her mm. we had uh, donuts i mean we were walking all over mm. then we went to his mom's house mm. we had lunch she said please come have lunch um everybody was there yeah and i was just up and down we even walked to buy ice cream came back and life was normal and then I started feeling weird. You know, it's your first time. Yeah. You, you don't, don't know. You don't know what you're going you through. Don't know. Right. So his mom saw me and she's like, "Hmm, are you okay?" You know? Uh, I said, "I don't know." I <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. In fact, no. I asked I asked the, the doctor before, "How how do you know you are in, in labor?" And he's <laughs> like, "Don't worry, you'll know. It's spectacular." 
like, okay. So I'm waiting for this spectacular <laughs> thing to happen. Nothing was happening. So I just, I went, kept moving in and out of the, the house, mm. you know, and, and my, my mother-in-law was like, can't just take this girl to the hospital. Trust me. Mm. So we said, okay. It was late, uh, around 9 p.m. or so. We said, let's just pass by the hospital. Mm. So we passed by the hospital and the lady like, oh my goodness. Yes. Rush, you know, they are rushing. Wow. Like, Don't push. Don't push. push. So me, I'm singing. The rest of the women are singing. I mean, screaming. Me, I'm singing. Because Sing. I needed to, you know, expel this. Now I'm feeling a bit of pressure, mm. you know, but I, I can't quite describe what it was. So I kept telling Ken, um, come here, go away, come here, you know. <laughs> so he was everywhere. The, the the nurses are telling him to sign papers and he goes and I'm like, where did you go? Why did you leave me alone? I was so confused. Mm. Anyway, I give birth so fast. They put me on that bed and it was just one push. Wow. Wow. No, no screaming, no drama. Yes. I give birth very fast. So because my body has been in labor the whole oh, day wow. and, and I'm exhausted. So they call it, uh, they have a term for it. Uh, it's called precipitate labor. Mm-hmm. So when, on the second one, you should have seen, they put it all over my file and everything. <laughs> but they still missed it. I'll tell you that one. Okay. <laughs> so I give birth so fast. So what happens is your body goes into shock. Mm. So you lose a lot of blood. Right. It's a case uh, uh, most people go through, but you, you hear people dying during giving. It, right. it happens. Yeah. So that's what happened. And I um, have my first one. And by the way, that was like, she was a, a miracle because I had been told that I'm going to not have children. There mm. was complications before that, you right. know, so much. And the doctor kept saying, you know, we have to give you uh, fertility medication and mm. what have you. I told her, no, 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 give me some time. Let me talk to God. Mm. This can't be. Yes. No, no, no. You know, so I have this thing with God. Mm. I can't, I can't go through such things mm. when you're there you know mm. so that whole surgery thing i refused it <laughs> and and i recovered the second one um favor oh, that's why we call her favor mm. i said you know what i'm not going to do this drama to myself so mm. i checked into the hospital early early and i said i'm here to give birth you should have seen their faces you think this is a hotel where you just <laughs> check in and say i'm here to give birth i'm like yeah, yeah, because, you know, you, you start feeling it. Mm. You start feeling the pressure. And I say, no, this baby is about to come, trust me. And they're like, hmm. They hadn't seen your file, which was written. It is written. And I told them, look, huh? make sure you call the doctor. Mm. So I check in. Nothing happens, okay? So we spend the night in the hospital. Yeah, I was that serious. Because, I, uh, first of all, you know, that phobia mm. is still there. Right, no three, surgery. Three years later, you're mm. like, what if it happens again? You mm. know, you're so scared. Mm. So the th- uh, I check in, uh, nothing happens. I told them, induce. I asked for that injection. Yeah. Because they just wanted to get done with this thing. They induced, nothing happened. I slept like a baby the whole night. Is your doctor available? Yes, then? yes. Okay. So... Um, nothing happens. The next morning, they check. They said, now, nah, maybe in the afternoon, late afternoon, not now. Day two. Yeah, this was at 6 a.m. in the morning. So my husband is like, let me go check on our baby at home. She's, you know, three years yeah. old. Um, so he, I told him, yeah, go home, shower, and come back. Mm. The lady told him, you have time. 
So he, he drives out of the hospital and I walk to the sink to wash my face and I start feeling pain. Not even five minutes. I held the sink, I felt pain. Went to the, the, the bed, I felt pain. So I start pressing the bell. Run. They come. And I told them, I'm about to give birth. They looked at me like, we just checked you. It's impossible. I told them, I know. They're like, no, no, no. So I called Ken. I told him, the baby's coming now. He turned his car. <laughs> he starts coming. So this lady, um, the nurse tells me, no, no, it's impossible. I told her, okay, can you get me a glass of water? I felt like drinking water. So she goes out to get me water. I drink the water. When she goes out again, you know, they had been told to prepare me for any emergencies mm. because there's some uh, medicine they give you so that mm. you don't go through what I, I went right. through. So she was supposed to prepare and she's like, you know, we've just checked you. It's impossible. Oh gosh. So I told her, I know this thing. I can feel it. The baby is coming. Mm. So she goes out to get stuff. My water breaks. <sighs> then she, I call, I keep pressing that button, you know, mm. come. So the cleaner lady comes and, and I start having conversations with her because I'm like, um, this thing is really painful, you know? Mm. And she's like, don't worry. Me, I've had like five children. You'll be fine, madam, you know? So she's just cleaning. And I felt a bit, I told her, can I hold your hands? She's looking, you know, she's, they wear gloves right. and everything as they're cleaning. Because she's the only human that was in that oh room. Oh my God. And then she cleans and she goes away. So you know what I did? I say, God, you said you have angels, right? Mm. I was talking to myself, like, loudly. Mm. God, you said you have angels. So I start looking for the bed um, metal frame, eh? mm. anything to hold. I climbed the bed, and I did one push, alone. In the, the baby, favor came out. Favor came out. There's still no, no nurse, no doctor, in a very nice hospital <laughs> in this country. Mm. And the baby just pops there. And the nurse comes, oh my goodness, she's holding her hands, her head. Oh. And I'm like, cover the baby, she's going to feel cold. And it was over, like that. And Ken had arrived then. No, he had, he's still coming. So obviously these doctors oh and nurses God. are in shock. They take the baby and they take me to the maternity room, mm. um, the labor room, you know. And I'm rushed there. Uh, that, you know, of course, uh, they had to do some stitches and all. So the whole room is in a mess. Mm. So Ken comes expecting me to be in the room and he sees the whole thing no mm. no sir what's happening to my wife that's great where's my wife you know and i see him in the corridor because they had just wheeled mm. me with the wheelchair so i'm like trying to wave and i told them please calm the guy down yeah. so he comes there and you know they clean me up and everything and yeah the second one was okay i didn't have any blackouts mm. or anything um thankfully but you see how it happens yeah very fast and and shock to the body and you know you're exhausted you're tired right, right so that's that's my story and i mean i've had several instances like that with my health mm. you know in 2013 is it 2013 yeah 2013 um after uh, i gave birth to debbie mm. you know i had a lot of milk supply and all that and I kept going to the doctors and telling them, I'm feeling lumps here, mm. lumps there. And they say, this is just milk, you know, it'll go, you know. But it didn't go, it stayed on even after Favor came. And one day I just saw it's turning blue, you know, wow. the, the, the lump, you mm. know. And we checked it, it was nothing. And so that by the time I got to the doctor, the doctor stood up and said, 
this one has to go for surgery. And I said, no surgery. I told God, he can't do this to me, you mm. know. And, you know, it was so bad that they had to um, check it out, you know, with surgery and all mm. that, and clean it up, whatever it was. So he said, okay, fine, let's take a sample and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. So they check. They put me on medication. It didn't go away. So they had to do the surgery. Okay. To clean it up. It was just an abscess. But, you know, when it happens on the breast of area, course. you Anything. can't take chances. Right. I, I was so sad that day. You know, like, God, we had a deal. You, mm. know, you can't do this to me. So anyway, I humbled myself. Mm. went on that table. And one of the things I'll never forget is lying down it was a day surgery it was a very simple surgery mm. and why why i you know i say it standing still is this there are times when things will happen to you and you, you don't expect them to happen to you they they kind of you know there's a way we think that life should be like right this is how it is right and we tend to want to change god's idea or plan and you know i'm almost i'm twisting him to do things the way we want so for me that was like a big lesson um sometimes you just surrender surrender right and be in the arms of your maker Mm. you know so that was what it was for Mm. me so i'm on this table and there are all these guys in you know their uniform and Mm. and all that and ready to just pounce on me and you know, opened me up with that knife and he said, hold it, hold it in the surgery room. So everyone's wondering what's going on. I said, everybody who is going to be involved in this surgery, please come around. I'm on the table, <laughs> ready to be. Yes. So I'm like, what is going on? You want I told to- them, listen, you know, guys, you know, as much as you're skilled, you have, you know, the ability to do this thing. Uh, this is what you do for life. You need God to help you. So I need to pray for you. So I prayed for them and they, they, they actually, you know, let me pray. Wow. And, and, um, you know, slowly I went away and they did their thing and mm. I was up again. It went well, mm. but there was a lesson there, mm. you know, are you able to stand in the storms of life? Right. Right. Are you able to, to still believe mm. in this God mm. or are you going to throw your hands in the air and give up, you know, so several stories like that, you know, right. that will inspire people. Wow, and what a powerful way to end the podcast. As Selam has asked, are you able to stand still and weather the storms of life? Are you able to stand still and let surrender to life Mm. and be in that present moment? Mm. So I look forward to the book and look forward to having you talk to us more, more stories about standing still and your faith in God, which is unshakable. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you too for having me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.